0: We do not carry the church on our shoulders. We do not carry the mission of the church on our shoulders. We do not carry the survival of our cities and the world on our shoulders. Now, I I would imagine a lot of listeners identify with me. I, I do it. I take it on my shoulders.
1: Hello and welcome to the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. I'm Alicia Chinchilla, but you're welcome to call me Leash. and I am joined today by Jason Ballard. Jason, how's it going?
2: So good, Leish. I am just so thankful to have a co-host. It's not just me in like a sound room looking at a screen. Well, I'm still looking at a screen because you're in Calgary and we're on Zoom, but it's so great to have a co-host. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it a ton.
1: No, I'm so happy to be here with you. And I am so excited for what we have ahead for us in 2021. I know we have an exciting lineup of guests for the podcast this year so far. We have Daryl Johnson today on the podcast, which we'll talk more about in a moment, and have a great year planned ahead of us. Lots of great guests, like I was just saying. But, Jason, what are you most looking forward to?
2: I think I'm excited about the honesty and authenticity of the conversations. And we always try to bring people on that we admire and love, people that have diverse expressions and points of view, people who are leading churches locally here in Canada, but then also around the world. And I think what I'm most excited about is the range of guests that we have, getting to hear from people that might not typically have a platform that are leading great things in Canada. But there's just been a few moments where some of them we've recorded, like I think about the conversation with Tim Mackey or Mike Pilavaci, where after the conversation, I've gone to the team and been like, did you guys hear that? And uh, just the way it's actually impacted me. And then us actually just having to pause and whether it's to pray or just let it sink in, because I feel like the theme is there are, we have guests that are calling us to more authenticity, more intimacy with Jesus, more integrity in ministry. And, and a lot of vulnerability. So I'm just excited for what this represents. And then also this, these conversations are just like a piece of the puzzle and kind of like a gathering point. I know this is a weird picture, but I feel like the weekly podcast for all these church leaders listening across Canada, it's like the campfire we all kind of just get around, have this kind of shared experience and then go back to the work we're doing. And so I, my, I hope that for everyone listening, it's deeply encouraging, a little bit challenging at times, but more than that, just encouraging and uplifting to feel part of a bigger community.
1: Wow, so good. I know, I agree. I think this is going to be a a very encouraging year. But now today, we're sharing a conversation you had with Daryl Johnson just before Christmas. Now, Daryl's a regular voice on the podcast, but for those of you who might not know him, Daryl has been preaching Jesus for 50 years. He served as a pastor in different parts of the world, including the U.S., Canada, and the Philippines. He's also taught at a number of different schools, including Fuller Theological Seminary and Regent College in Vancouver. He sounds like a phenomenal person. Tell us more about him, Jay.
2: Daryl's the best. He is um, who I want to become like as I get older in ministry. I feel like we should make a rule that we'll learn from people who have Instagram and be inspired by one another, but we'll try to become like people who have never heard of Instagram or would. Now, Daryl actually technically does have an Instagram, but someone else runs it. I think it's someone on our team is running it. He's never been on, he doesn't really get it. And that's what makes him amazing because there are great people to give you advice on how to do church online and how to use social media to impact a generation. And that's important and good. But what we need even more than that are people who have run the race of ministry, have come out the other side, still married, still in love with Jesus, still tender, still in love with the Bible, still growing, still learning. That's what Daryl is. And uh, he's who I think we should be looking. People like him. He's not the only one. People like him we should be looking to. And uh, he's deeply anchored in the word. And so I have these conversations with him all the time, rarely recorded, where I'm just saying, help me navigate this. Uh, What do I do in this situation? And He's constantly pushing me towards Jesus. And so every once in a while we hit record and then we can share these conversations like the one that we have today.
1: Wow. Well, I cannot wait. So without any further introduction, let's jump right into your conversation with Daryl Johnson.
0: Well, hey, Daryl. Hey, Jason. How are you? I'm well. Um, We
2: are joined by all kinds of people listening on the podcast and online and uh, our friends at Regent College uh, helped pull this together. And I think a lot of people would love to just know more about how you and Sharon are doing in life, in this time. Like, give us a window
0: into your world. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, like the rest of the world, we're, we're facing all the restrictions around COVID. Yeah. Um, but we're doing well with that. Uh, we miss not being able to spend more time with the grandkids, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sharon is still uh, running the daycare she's the director of. Um, at the beginning... It was February March when the, the pandemic first came down. Yeah. Uh, the, the government kind of gave two directives. Don't, don't send your kids to daycare. And then daycare uh, directors, will you stay open? Right. <laughs> and so they asked if she'd stay open to take the children of frontline workers. Mm. And she did. And the Lord has really honored that. It's just been sweet that the stories of these children who, you know, are living with parents who are yeah. putting their, their lives on the line and these kids are finding a, a safe place. Um, mm. So I'm really proud of her. She's and, amazing. Uh, she's amazing. She's a very
2: hard worker. Yeah, you know her, so. Oh, it's so good. And, uh, and tell us about your ministry world right now. Like, cause I know, you, you know most people might know you're not leading uh, a church as you did for many years, but you're so actively involved, writing, speaking, meeting with people. Uh, tell us about your ministry world.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, you know, I'm trying to still figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it's actually been quite a challenge the mm-hmm. last couple of years of just um, what I should be doing. Um, what I mean by that is what, what is the role? You know, you live in the church for 45 years or in the, and then at the college. You have a, a defined role. Mm-hmm. It has a rhythm to it. So I don't have that, yeah. and that's really hard. But uh, where I'm finding the joy is in um, speaking with pastors Um, and that's mostly on zoom right now.
2: Give people a window. Like, I don't want to say a number for you, but in an average week, how many pastors are you spending one-on-one time or small group time with?
0: Uh, average week, um, a minimum of, um, eight. It's just amazing, Daryl.
2: Like I know for me as a pastor to have the ear and voice and wisdom and prayer of someone who's been in and through it in pastoral ministry and come out the other side still tender and in love with Jesus and in love with his church like you is such a gift. Um, and so thank you for investing that time in myself and so many others. What are you hearing from pastors right now?
0: Well, I'm hearing two things, weariness mm. right about now. Um, and then, uh, what would be the word? Um, apprehension about where we're going to go yeah there's a there's a desire please tell us when the COVID is over so we can get on to what we know best um but realizing that the lord may not lift it yet and mm. so he's doing something and what is that and how then do we cooperate with that so so what does the church look like asking that on many different levels yeah and then i'm just so weary mm. um and for some that borders into uh uh low-grade burnout and low-grade depression. Yeah. So,
2: Did you see, I think, the Tom Rainer article, Six Reasons Why Your Pastor Wants to Quit? Did you see that article? No. Okay, I pulled the points on it. Um, so essentially, this got shared around a ton. And there's been different data, and I, I, forgive me, I'm not going to be able to cite the data totally accurately, but it was something to the effect, this would have been U.S. research, that 70% of pastors are considering other work. Wow. You know, what, what that meant and how they phrased the question, I don't know. So I don't know if that's being more dramatic. It's not to say that 70% are going to. But there's another piece of data that talked about the emotional health of pastors, um, them feeling weary, discouraged, defeated. And they trended it from like 2016, which was something as low as 16% of pastors reported yes to this experience, 2019, 30-ish, to this year 50% I believe feeling that. this... And this is the reasons that Rainer gave in his article. He said, pastors are weary from the pandemic. Yes. Pastors are greatly discouraged about fighting taking place among church members. Yes. Pastors are discouraged about losing members and attendance. Yes. Pastors don't know if their churches will be able to support ministries financially in the future. Mm-hmm. Criticism against pastors have increased significantly. Mm-hmm. He said that one, one pastor recently shared with me the number of criticisms he received are five times greater than pre-pandemic era. Church members are worried. Church members are weary, and the most convenient target for their angst is their pastor. Number six: the workload for pastors has increased greatly.
0: Yes, is that what you're hearing? Oh, absolutely. That's a good summary. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a sad summary. Yes. And what <laughs> well, do you think you'd add or summary. commentary on that? Um, well, I the, the concern I have, and then when I as I dialogue with uh, various pastors is. Uh, now, more than ever, we have to look after our own soul. Mm. Um, I would love to be able to do that for everybody who's on the front line right now, but yeah. you, you can't so um, all the tools that we've been given over the years, we need to be exercising even more mm. intentionally. Um, how then do we pay attention to our soul and what what's our role in nurturing our soul in the midst of all the lists that you gave?
2: yeah so. yeah it feels as if As the needs around increase, the difficulty is putting your own self-leadership on the list of all that needs to be led. And so you can find yourself, it seems three months into the pandemic or now we're eight months in and still not having fully looked in. And uh, I talked to one pastor who's like I said, I'm afraid at this point. To look in? To look in. Yeah. 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 You use the language of tending to your soul nurturing your soul. Can you unpack that a little bit more?
0: Well, I get the language from Paul hmm. in his exhortation to Timothy, both in 1st and 2nd Timothy, pay attention to yourself. Hmm. Pay attention to your teaching, hmm. but pay attention to yourself. And um, if there's been one major failure in my own ministry for half a century, it's probably that. I paid really good attention to the teaching, hmm. but I can get... Um, uh, not not lazy. But, um, I I can set aside paying attention to myself just to keep going. Wow! And I think right now, all the more, we need to pay attention to ourselves. Mm. So if I were speaking to church boards right now, it would be free your pastors, your leaders, to mm. do the work that the Scripture calls them to do. Yeah. Because if we're not functioning well spiritually and emotionally, mentally. Um, the, the, the whole body's going to suffer, hmm. and not that it, not that the church rests on our shoulders or anything like that, but right? If, if we're all confused inside and weary inside and thrashed inside, how are we going to hmm. bring any redemptive, hopeful word to our people? Yeah. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit gives us that, even in the midst of our, own, our struggle, but um, how then, to have a, a rhythm, a healthy rhythm of okay. That's what's going mm. on inside of me. yeah. Um, and I find if I can name it or somebody names it for me, I'm probably 85% of the way towards some victory. Mm. Just naming it. Wow. So, for instance, in, in many of the Zoom calls, just able to say, you know what? It's okay to say, I'm really tired. Mm. You don't have to play games with that. Yeah. There's a good reason to be tired. The pandemic, political chaos, That's the one that wears me down more than the pandemic. But, um, yeah, so pay attention.
2: Why do you think it's hard for us to feel free to name our tiredness, to name not knowing what to do, to name a sense of helplessness? Why is that
0: such a challenge sometimes for Mm. the leader? Hmm. Good. Well, there'd be personal reasons for each, each person to be different in that regard. But I think how to put this, um, In a congregational system, and I'm not blaming anybody for this, it just happens, the pastor becomes the person that represents um, Jesus, (laughs) that represents what we're supposed to be as disciples. And if the pastor's not functioning, and people are riding on the back of the pastor's spirituality, Mm. They get afraid for themselves. Mm. So you need the pastor to be strong. You need the pastor to be victorious and functioning. Um, and so, for me, I implicitly realize that. So if I admit that I'm struggling, that sets a bunch of things off in people right. that are not healthy. The first time that I uh, faced depression was 1981. And um, where were you ministering at the time? In West Los Angeles okay. near UCLA. And the Lord, that's another story we can talk about. But um, when I got through the hard part of that, then I did a a couple sermons on depression. Mm -hmm. And I shared with the congregation what I'd been struggling with and why Mm -hmm. and how the Lord worked with that. Afterwards, a longtime member came to me, finger in my face, and said, do not ever do that again. Mm -hmm. And I said, what? do not ever share with us that you struggle. And I said, why? Because I count on you to mm. be whole, for me to be whole. Mm. And I was able to say to him gently, you're counting on the wrong person. Wow. You've got to count on Jesus, to whom I'm consistently pointing, right? He says, mm-hmm. yeah, you do. Well, that, that's why I do. Mm. He's the only one who's got it together and he will keep it together. Um, and, and so, so from that point on, I realized, okay, There's a dynamic that's set up that um, does not allow the leader to really be Mm. uh, really human. Yeah.
2: I wonder if there's like lies that become active in our imaginations. You know, you talked about this person with their their almost accusing finger out. And um, whether someone said that or not, I think a lot of pastors feel that. Sure and those feelings can be internalized. Um, and there is an accuser who would want to speak lies. Like you need to have it all together. If you, you know, if if anyone finds out where your heart's at, you're done or whatever the lies are. Um, I wonder if it's kind of a weird exercise in a conversation like this, but if you could speak truth into the hearts of pastors right now, like what not, Let's not spend any more time naming the lies. What is true right now that they need to hear, that I need to hear?
0: Okay. Um, Well, you know how much I love the Christmas story. Mm -hmm. I've been waiting for Christmas, <laughs> <laughs>
2: everyone's been waiting for
0: Christmas this yeah. year.
2: Some so much that they started Advent three weeks early.
0: <laughs> I know. It, I've never witnessed this in all the years of ministry that people are already decorating their houses. Our tree's up. <laughs> what uh, else do you do? we got on the candles weekends. up. I, I know that's that's true. But I think it's a longing yes. for um, the joy, the hope, mm. uh, it's p- partly sentimentality, yeah. and all that goes with it. But it's that longing for so. As I've been dwelling in the Christmas story again ahead of time, <laughs> um, the passage that I think is ministered to me the most is Isaiah 9. Mm. You know the text Foreign to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Father of Eternity, Prince of Peace. Mm. And then the next line And the government will be on his shoulders. Mm. That's the word I'd want to speak. We do not carry the church on our shoulders. We do not carry the mission of the church on our shoulders. We do not carry the survival of our cities and the world on our shoulders. Now, I I would imagine a lot of listeners identify with me. I I do it. I take it on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. I'm the oldest of five sons. And if you're the oldest in the family, you're the one that's supposed to fix everything. something yeah. goes wrong, it's your fault, then you've got to fix it. So I've grown up being a fixer all my life. Mm. And th- that text in Isaiah 9 is free me. No, I'm not. I can't. Mm. Especially as, as, as we're witnessing just how how profoundly broken we really are. I can't fix it. I can't fix me. I can't fix anybody. But the government... Is on his shoulders, and for someone like me who wrestles with political things, that means all the more. Yeah, the the future of nations does not rest on the the names we name on mm. CNN and Fox and CBC. It rests on Jesus of Nazareth. Praise His name. Mm. So that'd be one thing. Yeah. Um, the other thing to speak truth into would be the the message that I'm going to that I love to preach at Christmas time, is that four times an angel shows up and four times he says the same thing, do not be afraid. Mm. One of the things that I teach in preaching is you, you, when you're preaching through a text, you want to look for the exhortations. What are the commands? Um, what, what, what are the affirmations? What is the good news? But yeah. then what is the command? Mm-hmm. Where is it going? Um, and uh, reading through the Christmas story, I'm struck this time, the only command in the Christmas story the only command, as I see it, is do not be afraid. Hmm. And I think that's the message for us. Do not be afraid. He says, the angel says to Zachariah, your prayers have been heard. You and Elizabeth have been praying about having kids for a long time. They've been heard. He says to Mary, don't worry, this whole talk about the virgin birth, yeah, it's off the charts. But nothing's impossible for God. And he says to Joseph, who's really getting jerked around by all this going on. You know he's he doesn't sleep with Mary and she's pregnant and and the, and the angel says do not be afraid that this strange thing is actually the work of the Holy Spirit mm. and then to the shepherds the good news that a new king a new Lord a new Savior the new fixer mm-hmm. um, has been born into the world wow. and you can rejoice so that's what I'd want to say the government is on the shoulders of mm. Jesus Christ and he says do not be afraid.
3: Mm.
2: I've heard you say that we need to live eschatologically right now. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that?
0: We know where the story's going. Um, Someone has said that everybody needs a story uh, that makes sense of the individual parts of our lives. And right now, that's the hard thing. We're experiencing different things in different ways, and we can't put it together. So we need a story that'll put those things together but a story that this the person said is going somewhere yeah and the story we live in is going mm. somewhere uh the one who is born in Bethlehem is king and he has done everything he need that needs to be done for us to be in relationship with the living God but he he was born not only to forgive our sins um, and all the good things we announce at Christmas but he was born to enter our world and make a new world. Mm. So we know where the story is going and we want to live from the end backwards if we can. So we know what that new heaven and the new earth is going to look like. At least we have broad pictures of that. How do we live into that? That's one of the things you're emphasizing as you, as you are planting this new church, Mm -hmm. live now what we will live then Mm -hmm. to the best of our ability. So we live, um, with the reality that relationships are going to work, mm. justice is going to be done we're all going to be healed we're going to be given new bodies um, there will be no longer any death or any sorrow or any tears. Um, we will see the face of Jesus mm. um, all those great things so try to live there yeah and let that inform the present now and when we do it, I think it it it, it, it really helps I think I, I can't quote it exactly Eugene Peterson in the introduction to uh, 1 Thessalonians in his message, the, the, the message translation, something like this. Eugene, forgive me for getting this not, not so well. It says, if the, if the screen of your imagination is dominated by the coming of Jesus, there's no more room on the screen left for you proje- to project your fears and hmm. illusions. Uh, that's really good. That's if beautiful. I'm looking forward and he's coming with the new heaven, the new city, then there's no room for me to. Uh, Impose on on that all mm. the other stuff. I I rejoice in his coming again, mm. uh, which of course is a great Advent theme. <laughs> Advent's not only about the first Advent, but about anticipating the second Advent. So living eschatologically, I love that. Living, realizing where the story's going, I can breathe, mm-hmm. grieve, longing. It's not happening just yet. Um. Why, 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 Lord, won't you come? Mm. Um, but that's, that's where we know it's going.
3: Mm.
2: Um, one of the questions that came in was, which book of the Bible do you think is best suited as a discipleship manual for 2021, 2020 and 2021? And uh, before you answer that, I've, uh, I've got some of your books here. Let's see how see which ones I got. Most of your books. One book here is The Glory of Preaching which is not an exposition of a particular text. Most of your books are. These other ones, uh, we've got this, It's the Most Wonderful Time of Year, which is Reflection on Christmas Texts. I'm missing a bunch of yours. I've got Discipleship in the Edge, which moves through the book of Revelation. The Story of All Stories, that goes through Genesis 1 through 11. I've got the Chinese translations for the Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer. And um, I'm, missing, I'm missing a bunch of your books. But I... Uh, I feel like each of these, and there's a manuscript we've been re- working through that's not released yet on Ephesians. And I feel like when I think about, I recently read uh, your work on Genesis. Uh, I've loved reading uh, Discipleship on the Edge. And I feel like as I read them, those books become manuals for living in this time. Oh, good. And um, I just would love to, for you to comment <laughs> on the book of Ephesians, on Genesis, the beginning of Genesis, and on the book of Revelation and on the Beatitudes, <laughs> all oh, books what's... you've written for, and tell me why those books are relevant for what we're experiencing right now. So you want me to comment comment on the, on each of them? We're the going to take our that time. Are already out, and... Or, and, and Ephesians, which we have a manuscript for, but no one's read yet. So you yeah. can pick which one do you want to go first on, and I'm going to feed you on on them and rem, like and go to the next book. But because it's like what I what I I and why I so admire your preaching is you've got this unique ability to teach the text. And I've read sermons of yours from the 90s that I could just play on right now. And it could feel like, is he talking about life in the pandemic? It was <laughs> like, that's how I feel. And it's something about it. Cause I, you know, I love the question, which book? And I think that you probably, why don't you answer that question first? Which, wh- is there a specific book you've
0: got in mind that is like a, a now book? I, I'm thinking of persons who, yeah, who are- having to do all this online. Yes. So the, what, what books of the Bible can be done online better? See, I'd want to say Revelation, but that's really hard to do online.
2: Oh, you're thinking which books... Um, of the Bible. ...would be the best to teach through. Yeah, that's how I, Is that how the question well, is? I mean, I love that. That's a really good insight um, or perspective. I think the question was, would be a great discipleship manual for followers of Jesus in this time? And I've heard you say the book okay. of Acts... I've okay. also heard you say Ephesians. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I would say <laughs> that there are two, well, f- all of the New Testament is written to make disciples. Um, but So there'll be three that okay. are key. <laughs> Revelation, yeah. but that's really hard to do uh, in this present mode, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I, I could help somebody if they want to do that. And in fact, I'm in conversation with a number of churches they're going to try. But the two that would be the most accessible, I think, to the widest population and to both newcomers and old-timers would be either Ephesians or Matthew.
2: Mm. So go through each one and tell me why. And, and let's start with Revelation. Why, why, why would that book of the Bible, if you could navigate the complexity of it, and obviously the medium, like you mentioned, creates a challenge, but why is that a uniquely potent
0: discipleship manual for life today? Um, for two reasons, one, the way Jesus presents himself in the book, Hmm. these powerful images, I'm starting to use the word actually costumes Hmm. in which he dresses himself up in five different scenes and shows himself who he is in the world at this time. The son of man standing among the churches, Hmm. the lamb who overcomes, not the lion, the lion overcomes only by being a lamb. Oh. On and on it goes. The man on the horse, the man who's the lamb who's holding the scrolls. All those images help unpack the flow of history in general, mm. but the historical moment. And and the, it's the context of Revelation that I think is so important. In that um, Christians are facing, uh, 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 well, they're facing totalitarian governments. Mm. And the church has no support from the government, and the church has no blessing from the culture. Mm. The very kinds of things that we're trying to always get. We, we got to work so that the culture really likes what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We, we've got to work so that the government will support us. They had none of that. Yeah. Uh, but the church grew like
2: topsy. Can I just slow us down on what you just said there? I don't want to just brush over that. Mm. For much of church history and for these significant. First centuries of the church, first century in particular, no social support outside the church, no government support, and not being generally liked by the culture. In fact, being antagonized by the culture, and it grew. And then you just sort of said, you know, we do live in a moment, even in Canada, where, you know, people are saying, we can't gather over this, there's persecution. It's like, we are generally supported by the government. Generally. Mm -hmm. Generally. I know there's but we still, there's tax receipts, there's provisions for, Mm -hmm. there's rights that we have. Mm -hmm. Generally, still welcomed by the culture, you know, and generally save all these things. And I get that there are shifting sense. I don't want to make light of that. I think there's a very important conversation we should have another time about how that is shifting. Um, But it's a radical contrast to acknowledge that this, for for much of the world, many centuries of church history, this has not been... um, present and i think we've gotten used to life in these
0: waters we've gotten used to what is no longer there Mm -hmm. and that is christendom Mm -hmm. this arrangement with the church and the culture and the government particularly in the western world has been disintegrating or dismantling now for for decades but we've kind of gotten used to that posture so it's such a shock Mm -hmm. now to live in a world where the church doesn't know us Uh, well, welcome to the first century. Hmm. Um, Now, the book of Revelation then, Jesus shows up and shows us who he is in the midst of that and how we are to follow him in the midst of that. Hmm. Um, So particularly helpful, I think, to pastors is the first three chapters Hmm. to major in those seven messages that Jesus speaks. And uh, I think in those seven messages, he's addressing the challenges that churches face throughout church history. Yeah. Um, so that's why Revelation would be a good place. Now, back though, though the more accessible, I think, for uh, the average congregation would be either Ephesians or Matthew. Now, mm-hmm. why Ephesians? Yeah, why Ephesians? Uh, I think it's the letter Paul writes without any major conflict that he's addressing. Hmm. You know, look at Galatians, white-hot right. I mean, he's really ticked. Yeah. <laughs> Philippians are really struggling with some things. Mm-hmm. Um on it goes but i i I picture him writing ephesians sitting in jail sitting back not with his feet on the table or anything not that relaxed but he's 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 now putting together uh his vision of the gospel and the implications for them being people of the gospel Mm. so the the gospel in chapters 1 to 3 this grand picture what has happened to us in christ blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in christ and for three chapters he opens that up and then chapter four verse one therefore walk worthy of this grand calling to which you've been called Mm. and then talks about what personal discipleship family discipleship congregational discipleship missional discipleship looks like Mm. so if if uh If a pastor were to walk a congregation through that book for, I don't know how long, it would take take more than half a year to do that, um, that that would be very transformative. Mm. Matthew, why Matthew? I think Matthew wrote his gospel to um, uh, address the challenge Jesus leaves at the end of the gospel. Go make disciples.
3: Mm.
0: How? Baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I take that to mean, teach them about the triune God, help them enter into the life of the triune God, and teach them to obey all I have commanded you. Mm. And, and, and we say to Matthew, well, what was that? He says, well, I've gathered it together in five sermons. Um, Sermon on the Mount, 5 to 7. Sermon on Mission, chapter 10. Sermon on the Mystery of the Gospel in chapter 13. The chapter on how to manage the church in 18 and the Sermon on the End Times in chapters 24 and 25. Mm. So Matthew would say, "Oi dudes, I gave it to you. Just teach people what, I've, what those five sermons are do- mm. talking about, and you'll make disciples wow. that will change the world. So either of those. So, so maybe I've just given preachers uh, two or three years. Come um, on. You've got your sermons cut out for you now. It's one less thing you have we to... We can go to 2024, just those two books. And
2: um, you know, this is not by any means... Uh, Emotional spot, but we uh, are making available all of your sermon archive, you know? And right, thank you. It was just so fun that you're, and some of them aren't even typed up yet. We're gonna begin that journey. You handed me <laughs> a handwritten one today. Um, and those are my favorite to get because I, you know, I have the Google drive with all of your old sermons, but some of them aren't in there yet. And uh, so, for listeners, like we're going to continue through DarylJohnson.ca and other platforms to make this stuff available through your podcast and others, because we just really want to serve pastors yeah. and and lay leaders who are also doing the work of discipleship in small yeah. groups in their yeah. home yeah. with content that helps. You know, and I'm just so grateful that you continue to make that available and give it away. Thanks for doing that.
0: Well, thank you, and the team for making that happen. As it's, you know, you've, you you adopted It's a great partnership. You adopted me. <laughs> we can't
2: we can't write the content. Yeah. but we can uh, put it on the internet well, that's as,
0: the deal well and as you know my, my life's goal now yeah. is give it away I love that whatever the Lord can use of, that he's given me whoever can use it go for it mm. um, people will preach it differently than me yeah. in fact they have to yeah uh, you and I had a discussion recently about what preaching looks like in our time we'll pick that up another time but so but here I, I can save you a lot of work yeah <laughs> I can, I can get you into the text and then mm. with, with your smarts and your capacity to connect with the culture and, and tell stories. Oh man, oh, so fun. the church is served big time. I think it'd be fun to chat a little bit about what,
2: about your small group that you're in right now. And uh, mm. because you just said, and what, what triggered me was to say, you're giving it all away. And I just, um, at your age, you have made a decision just to actively engage in ministry. Well, it's not looking the same as it did when you were a lead pastor. And uh, so you're preaching, you're teaching, you're mentoring pastors, um, but you're actually in a small group every week, most weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about the demographic of that small group, and it's on Zoom, and, and what that has meant for you as you understand the task of making disciples
0: today. Good question. It's a delightful group. It's a mix of people. Well, first of all, I am three times older than the oldest person in the group. That's amazing. So it's all teenagers, 20-year-olds. It's all 20-year-olds. Oh, it's amazing. One fellow might be a little older. Yeah. Uh, not much. Not late 20s. I think uh, the
2: oldest person there there might be
0: 33. A fellow? Yeah. Yeah, he might be. Okay, so then I'm only a little over twice. Yeah. Um. So they're young. But he says he feels old in that group. Oh, does he really? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. Well, okay, yeah, because the rest are young. Some yeah. are still at Trinity Western University. Yeah, yeah. Um, And not all of them are... are
2: followers of Jesus. Not yet. Many of them are. Some of them have walked away and come back to faith. Yep. So we and got others are seeking
0: God in a sincere way, but wouldn't call themselves Christians. Or... That's right. So it's a, it's a great mix of people who grew up in the church and stayed with it, people who were in the church backed off and are coming back. And people who don't know Bo Diddley, <laughs> who I love the most. <laughs> and um, so what's this been for me? Yeah. Two things. One, I've fallen in love with them. And I would do anything for them mm. so that they really know who Jesus is and how much he loves them. It's beautiful. Whatever I could do. Mm. And secondly, it's just presented to, to me really right in front of my eyes, just the massive challenge we have yeah. of... Uh, evangelism, yes, but then what to do with someone who's finally interested and where do we go? And I don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, the the way is working on with the small groups and it's beautiful, the number, the percentage of people in the small group, what is it, 80% of the congregations in small groups? I mean, we don't know online um, how how many people are part
2: of our church. We do know how many are in small groups though. And I think one of the Uh, maybe one of the unique gifts of the season is forced us to change our metrics from Sundays to who are plugged in. And so we put our energy towards plugging people in a small group. And there's also a community need and Zoom is far from ideal. Obviously, sitting in a living room all together would be better. However, this has created opportunities for people to participate that might not have been able to, whether it's because of transportation or time management in the day or insecurities. Uh, So Zoom's created a way and there's massive challenges, but people are showing up. And, um, and there's an honesty that somehow, I think good small group leaders can, can make it work. Yeah,
0: And we're seeing it work. Well, I think the last, the last session, I felt the group as, its, as a whole fell in love with each other. Mm. It was beautiful. It was just beautiful. Mm. And I think the Zoom mode actually helped that. Mm. There's a safety that the Zoom allows. You don't you you, you you don't have to be. You, you, there's a sense of protection. Yeah. But it's interesting. But that sense of protection, people go right through it and share very vulnerably. Yeah. Much more vulnerably than they, than they would in a living room. Wow. So I I don't understand all that. I'm sure people are writing about that. Um, but now, how to help, particularly the not yet believer. Yeah. Um, move now into discovering the power of reading the Bible. And, oh, it's such a strange book to them. Mm -hmm. And they don't have, in Tim Keller's language, you don't have the furniture in your brain to put it together yet. So I'd love to be able to do that and don't know how to, Mm. except one-on-one. So I've been able to follow up with a couple people. Because you find out, okay, what do you know? And we build from there. Mm. Um, My experience in, in Vancouver with this new generation over the last years is I'm thinking of Christmas now. The average person under 30 knows zero mm-hmm. about Christmas. I mean zero. Yeah. They know there's a Mary and a Joseph and there's something about a manger or something. <laughs> but what it's all about? No yeah. clue. Yeah. So, okay, how do we yeah. get the next, what, what so I'll, I'll ask a person what do you know? We go from there. Okay, mm. let me t- can I tell you a little bit more about Mary? Mm tell about virgin you're kidding me really mm. well that's what the story says and then do you believe it i do it all my heart why Du-du-du-du-du. you mm. know go on in there and where can i read more ah
2: magic moment mm. so it's pretty special i think there's this sense by i think a lot of people in their 70s might feel you no know, 20 or 30 year olds don't want to listen to me um i'm not saying that but i feel like that could be the fear or I wouldn't know where to start. Um, just tell me your reflections on that. Is, that. is that accurate perception of reality, or what are you experiencing? Are you an exception to that, or is there anything more transferable that can
0: invite generations into this journey together? Good question. I don't know how to definitively answer that. Uh, there's a woman living in our building who has um, a grandson who has encountered me along the way. And so she shared, this grandson loves to find out where I'm going to preach and goes to it. I, and I said to her, does he say why? And she says, yes. And I said, what is it? He likes us. Mm. And he listens to us. Uh, what a great compliment. So I would want to say to my fellow 60, 70, 80-year-olds, this young generation is just looking for somebody, looking for people who will love them. Mm. And not point a finger at them and criticize, but listen to, to what the questions are and what the longings are. And we have a lot to give. I mean, just to hang out. Now, the COVID has kind of kiboshed a lot sure. of that. Yeah. But let's, let's say post-COVID, I would be encouraging people who are retired and if you're in your congregation, invite five or six young people to your home mm. for an evening, just for dinner. And um, I look at the, the guys here doing the cameras, you'd probably say, we'll be there, <laughs> right? Yeah, they're shaking their head. So just make yourself accessible to a generation that is longing to be heard mm. and to be loved and magic happens. Mm-hmm. Well, Holy Spirit makes it. Yeah, yeah.
2: it's beautiful. Um, one person asked, How do you keep going when you're tired we talked a little about being tired and some of the reasons for that um and i it's always interesting when you read a question you think about what's the question or thought behind the question you know yeah how do you keep going when you're tired and i don't i don't know this person who asked it i'm just seeing it on a sheet here um but it sounds like someone saying i'm really tired
0: yeah yeah
2: and i think i'm supposed to keep going but And how would you want to speak to that person?
0: Boy, and this is where I need to know the kind of specifics of what they're facing. So I can only speak personally. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten really, really tired this this year, along with everybody else. So when I'm really tired, I have to stop. Mm. So I look at the schedule and see what I can cancel. What What can I not do? Postpone if I have to or eliminate if I have to and get some time alone Um, get some exercise, um, hang out with some friends, do something different. Mm. Um, (laughs) recently I I was just so tired. So I decided it was time to rearrange the closet. (laughs) (laughs) We moved into this smaller place and I still haven't figured it out. So I spent a whole morning taking things in and out, man, that was refreshing. Mm. So depending on the level of the tiredness, shift gears to something different for a while. The world will not fall apart. Mm. Church will not fall apart. Um, and um, and get, do whatever's refreshing to you. Mm. Now, in some cases, that may mean take a week, and that's okay. Yeah. And I guess I'd want to say to the sisters and brothers listening to us, if you're pastoring a small church and you can't get away because you're the only one to preach, contact us. Mm. We'll send you a talk. Well, either that or there, as you know, there are a lot of young preachers who would love to step up to the plate that we can recommend. Um, Yeah, there's a a, a young pastor who uh, has now gone to about every second month, he'll have a Sunday where he'll play one of the tapes. Mm. And he introduces the the congregation to me as his friend. And um, he says, and this sermon really ministered to me in this Mm. certain way. And we're gonna go with this today. And he says, the people love it. Yeah. They don't feel he's shirking his job. Mm. And they're glad he gets a week to not have to prepare. Mm. So there's those kind of creative ways. Yeah. You're not alone. The, the Lord has provided a lot of resources in the body right now mm. to be able to take a break. Yeah. So those kinds of things. Yeah.
2: You, talk, you talked about um, an exercise that you do in your, on occasion in your personal devotional time um, just to help almost like check the dials of our soul. Is that yeah. a fair analogy?
0: You're good with those analogies, yeah. <laughs>
2: Stop it. Um, but to check, to check where you're at. And I just feel like, or to take your pulse or to figure out. Can you walk me through that, I think, and walk us through that? I think it'd be really helpful. Um, I'd love to hear it. And I know that maybe for people watching and listening, it could be helpful.
0: Yeah, I've used this over the years. But it came back to me in the last day, mm. big time. Um, and I did it this morning, and it was very effective. Hmm. But um, what I do uh, is what I advocate is if you have a journal, I advocate journaling, by the way, um, because we're we so much is coming at us now, we need to find a way to um, sort out all that's going. So you have this on your journal, you make uh, six boxes. Yeah. Okay, so... If, if you're listening and don't see this, just take and, and six boxes and whatever. I'll configures. describe what
2: I'm seeing. I'm seeing uh, a, a white piece of paper that now has <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines or eight lines making six boxes. Okay. I think, I think now it's very,
0: very crystal clear for okay. the audio listeners. <laughs> so in, in one box, you put the word loss. Hmm. In the next box, the word anger. Then in another box, the word fear, another box longing or seeking, another box joy, and then what I call sensing the voice, what you sense God saying to you. That's the last box, that's not the first box, mm. because these other boxes are a way to come to terms with the voices and noise in your head. Mm. So to list the loss, we've gone through a lot of loss. Yeah. All change is loss, even positive change is loss. Mm. We're going through negative change, huge losses. Write it down. Mm. I really miss yeah. sitting in the pew, mm. singing yeah. with people. Yeah. And Christmas is going to be worse. Uh, okay, put it down.
2: Mm, and some of those loss haze goes from some people of have lost loved ones during lost COVID. Lost loved ones. And some people had a really great vacation planned. Yeah. And they don't, you know, it sounds like, who am I to complain about that? Well, it's like... It's a loss. But it's a loss. And put it on the list.
0: That's right. We can't go be with our grandkids Christmas yeah. in, the, in the Okanagan. It's a loss. It's a huge loss. Yeah. Thankfully, for Zoom, at least we can see their faces. What are you angry about? Mm-hmm. And that's harder for pastors to admit.
2: I find it really hard for me to acknowledge anger. To even name that is very difficult what, to say, what am I angry at?
0: Yeah, because we're not allowed to really yeah. be angry. So, so read the Psalms. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find out you are allowed to be angry. So if there's nothing there to write, you know, put a question mark there. Yeah. But then all, maybe even write, Lord, am I deceiving myself? Show me if I'm angry. Hmm. Then fear, what am I afraid of? Oh my goodness. There's a lot to write in that box. Yeah. Are we going to make it financially as a mm. church? What we, people are going to other churches because yeah. their online service is more hot than ours, whatever. I find with
2: fears, if you peel beneath the surface, a lot of the fears are, for me, if I can be honest, um, let's say it was an, about numbers, of church attendance, you know, afraid that people might not come. And it's like, well, actually, that's not what I'm afraid of. I think I'm afraid of how I will be perceived. Okay. Or I'm afraid of um, not being successful. Okay. Which is always a fear of that. There's a deeper fear, I think. There's kind of a pulling away the layers there. Am
0: I significant? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that's really a lot of noise in our souls. I know that one. There's <laughs> a lot of, that's noisy. Yeah. So write it down. Hmm. Uh, longing. Mm. What is your heart longing for? Uh, That's an easy one to start writing. Where are you finding joy? Now, some days it'll be nowhere. Yeah, (laughs) That's okay to write down, but there are moments of joy. Mm -hmm. And then, what am I sensing the Lord saying to me? Mm. And um, so I did that exercise early this morning. And once I named all these other boxes it was really clear what he mm. said to me. It was really, really clear. Anything you can
2: share with us. I know this is a bit more of a public space,
0: but mm. well, it's relative to role mm. in the kingdom. And so what I heard, oh, my Lord have permission to share this. Um, No, no, I don't feel the permission to share it as I heard it, so I'll give a different form of it. Um, uh, give yourself away to those who want what you uni- uniquely can give. Mm. Don't try to serve the whole mass. Yeah. Just those who want what I particularly mm. can give, and it's just a small slice in the kingdom. Mm. Just focus on those handfuls of people who want that. That was so liberating. Wow. Um, yeah, that's yeah. enough to be significant. How long did the exercise take to move through those six, qua- or the six um, boxes? Oh, uh, 10 minutes. Mm. Now, when I've done it before on a private retreat or something, yeah. I'll just linger longer yeah. and say, Lord, is there more? Am I, am I not paying attention? Mm. Especially around loss and probably anger. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be an angry person. I don't want to admit that even as a servant of Jesus, mm. I could really be angry. Yeah. And so Lord, am I angry? And usually he'll say, yep. Oh, that's why I'm irritated. That's why I snap at the family. That's why, whatever, is this anger that I don't think I should have. Mm. Well, I, I feel him say to me, but you've got it. Mm. <laughs> Don't play games with it. Yeah. Name it. And yeah. like I said earlier on, naming it's almost 85% of the battle. Yeah. And often when I list it, I go, You're angry about that, Daryl? Mm. Yeah, you know, it's perspective. Yeah. Um, so you can do that as long as you need, but it can be done quickly. Mm. Uh, quickly, that's the wrong word. Can be done with in a little amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then your brain is uh, unscrambled. Mm. Um what was the phrase you used? The dials there I can't remember. Yeah, anyway, they're, they're, it's set now to the voice of Jesus. Hmm.
2: I appreciate you sharing that, and I appreciate your time today. And I think we need to keep chatting about a lot of these themes and more. I know there's a list of stuff that we would have loved to get to, um, but time doesn't afford today. Daryl, will you pray for um, me and the listeners and uh, as we wrap up today?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Lord Jesus, I pray uh, that in these days, and especially in the days we move into Advent and Christmas now, I pray for my sisters and brothers listening and watching right now, that in your mercy and grace, you would loom larger in our thinking than ever before. Work in us... Holy Spirit so we are as obsessed with Jesus as you are Mm. yeah Father that you would give to us the love you have for your son and the joy you have in him would be our joy and Jesus the trust you have in your father work that in us that we would Learn to trust your Father the way you do, and therefore be free. And I pray in your goodness that you give to each of the servants listening new creative ideas about how you're doing ministry in our time. Your ministry's not shut down. (laughs) You're carrying on. you're the way maker the miracle worker the promise keeper the light in the darkness and you never stop working you never stop and I pray that you'd show us what you're doing and how you want us to be acting with you and I pray boldly that this Christmas mm-hmm. many more people will hear the good news yeah, than amen. ever before yeah. that this would be a real Christmas in Jesus name Amen. Amen.
1: Well, thank you so much, Daryl and Jason, for sharing with us. That was such a great way to start off the new year with the podcast. Daryl's got so many great things going on that are worth checking out, so let me point you to a few. There's the Daryl Johnson Podcast. This is a thread where we weekly share Daryl's messages dating as far back as the 1990s to the present day. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll also be streaming a sermon from Daryl on January 29th. If you like his Facebook page or subscribe to his YouTube channel called Preacher's Workshop, you'll be able to tune into the messages there. And if you're wanting to stay up to date with all of Daryl's recent activity, you can head to his website, daryljohnson.ca, and sign up for his mailing list today. That's the best way to make sure you don't miss what he's up to each week. And when you sign up, we'll send you a PDF of Daryl's top 10 book recommendations right to your inbox. All right, next week we'll be sharing Jason's conversation with Tim Mackey from the Bible Project team. This is an interview that our team has been so excited to share with you. Stay tuned for that on Monday. Now before I let you go, if you enjoyed today's conversation, please give the podcast a like, review, or share it with a pastor or church leader you know. We just want to make sure these conversations end up in the ears of the people who need it most right now. Okay, that's all I have for you today. We'll see you next week for our conversation with Tim Mackey. Bye for now.